Picks. It's time for another dose of reality on the Blue Ribbon Podcast. We're here to uh, kick ass and take names. Um, and what is it? Kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. We've heard a lot of feelings over the last week on TikTok. Um, there is a, I mean, there's just a trail of, of corpses of, of the people that we've hurt and offended over the last seven days. Um, and so we're here for you, uh, dear citizen. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk with that. Larry is actually on kind of a vacation. He's visiting his grandchildren and he's taking time away from his grandchildren because, uh, there's somebody right now on planet earth that needs a Larry long special. And that's what he's going to get. Um, and so Larry, why don't you bring us up to speed? Because we've got a Neek here. Neek was supposed to be the co-host and, and Larry's just knocked her out of the way. So he can come on and address this uh, this problem that we've had this week. So uh, why don't you <clears throat> why don't you take it away, Larry, and let us know what 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 needs to happen here? Well, <clears throat> obviously, based on what you said, we we've we've created a lot of turmoil in the industry evidently this week, um, <laughs> and so um, you know I I normally don't read our comments because of what with what's getting ready to happen right now. Uh, I don't, I don't like responding to, to things. I, I admire Anique because she does, she engages them and, and I don't, I just ignore them. I figure, look, I, I throw my pearls before swine. I'm not going to show them how to, you know, how to judge it. So I just let the swine deal with it, you know? So, but, um, Tonight was a little different because I, I've just, first of all, I kind of been singled out here and, and I don't like that. And I, so I just think it's, I think we, we owe it to our um, followers to, to, to get the whole story out so that everybody understands. So um, to bring you up to speed, uh, there's a, a company that is in business to replace brokers called Lane Access. Now I we we had the the the, uh, the I guess he's president whatever CEO Rick CEO. Burnett on our, on our podcast Rick a year Burnett. or so uh, a year or so ago and we had him on our podcast because at the time you know, we were we were advocating you know um, um, uh, blockchain and and crypto is going to be a part of this industry someday and it may very well replace the broker model at some point in time I don't know who knows but this was an opportunity for us to get this. This was new at the time. And, and we brought them him on thinking that it would be addressed more to towards the blockchain side of things. You know, once we had him on there, we realized that probably wasn't, you know, although they are using crypto, I think uh, you have, you do have a coin. Um, mm -hmm. And I even invested, I, I, I invested in the initial and also took an option and invested twice. So I've got a few thousand dollars invested in lane access as an investor so i thought that was interesting too that some of the things they said about me it was funny because it, it the onion got peeled you know first i was a i had to be a broker because i was saying things that truck drivers typically won't say or don't say and then um i had to be a fleet executive because i you know obviously wasn't a driver so then i pointed out that i'm a million mile plus driver well that didn't that that didn't fit so there was no mention of that and then I had to point out that I'm also an investor in your company. So, you know, it, it just got it just got wonky from from that point forward. So here's some things I want to talk about. <clears throat> Number one, first of all, 
Now, I, after seeing these comments, I realize that we have a lot of people that look at this that, <clears throat> number one, can't spell, can't even spell cuss words. Uh, number two, have a really hard time grasping complex um, situations. Basic economics. Basic economics. Well, even every time that. they type, every time they type, a dictionary commits suicide. Every time. Well, <laughs> I get accused of being, I get accused of being a spelling Nazi. I have slept with an English teacher for 45 years. So I have osmosed more spelling than most people get in a lifetime, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I have always held out that spelling is an, is an indicator of, of intelligence. I've always held that out. Um, so I'm sorry if I come to conclusions because of the things that you spell. But if you can't spell shit, okay, there's not much I'm going to be able to do to, to, to help you here. But I'm going to try to talk slowly. I'm going to try not to use big words. I'm going to try to make sure that, this, that you understand what I'm going to say here very clearly so that there's no misunderstanding about what I'm getting ready to say. And the first thing I want to talk about is I'm going to talk about binary versus Arabic uh, number systems, okay? Because in this country, we use the Arabic number system. That's 0 through 10 or 0 through 9. So we have an unlimited number of digits that we can use from 0 all the way to however long, whatever the, the biggest number you can count is, a multi-trillion, trillion, zillion, whatever it is, Okay. And then there's the binary system where there's only two digits, zero and one. Okay. So yep. it's either a zero or it's a one. Now, I think a lot of you people think that everything is binary. That if I'm mm -hmm. not a broker, I got to be a trucker. If I'm not a trucker, I got to be a broker. If I'm not a Republican, I got to be a Democrat. If I don't like Trump, I got to like Biden. Chris, bring up my graphic. Okay. All of you all in elementary school, had these, right? Everybody yep. knows what this is. If you look yep. real close yep. in that box right there, there is a black crayon and there is a white crayon. Okay? Let's call that binary. Okay? But look at all the other colors there that are somewhere in between. This conversation cannot be binary. You cannot just assume that one, somebody is one or the other. Right. So what I'm trying to illustrate to you here is that there's a whole lot of the, the, the human eye can detect 10 million different shades of those colors. OK, 10 million. But yet the simple minded people that only want to take two or three words out of an hour and a half or two hour conversation and create a create this 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 binary concept well you must be a broker because or you must be a republican because or you must whatever whatever it is give give, give yourself more credit than that there there's lots of things in between you've heard me say on this thing a thousand times if you would get out of your echo chambers if you would listen to the uh, the people that you don't agree with you might th find out that what you've believed all of your life might may or may not be in fact true maybe there's a yep. there's maybe there's a possibility that you could be misinformed so what i'm going to try to tell you here truck drivers i am not against brokers my god we got one on tonight for a second time i invested in lane access when it first came out okay i'm not anti-broker at all what i am though is i'm anti 
uh, lack of freedom. I'm mm-hmm. anti. I'm, I'm anti anybody being able to take another group of people, and for selfish reasons, make them not be able to operate. Let me just give you an example. Let me give you a couple examples, okay? Um. <clears throat> Dude, I had a good one in, on top on tip of my tongue. I can't remember now. And I haven't even been drinking yet. Old timers kicking in. I must be. Um, well, I'll, it'll come to me here in a second. There, there are lots of examples of, of where things are not one or the other. Okay, there's a possibility that there's something in between. What what I what 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 people accuse me in this situation of being pro-broker and anti-trucker. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. My God, I am a trucker. I started trucking in 2008. I am I'm now a fleet owner, okay? I control, I don't know, a dozen trucks. So why would I be anti-trucker? The, 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 the difference is I recognize the role of the broker, okay? Yes, you can, you can take lane access as model, and go sign up a bunch of shippers and a bunch of truck drivers and put them together. But isn't that, in fact, what a broker does? Isn't that? Yep. So, yep. so when, when you do that, let's say that you do quit dealing with regular brokers and you deal with lane access and you let them do that for you. There's a fee there, okay? Now, what happens if that happens and you still are having trouble making ends meet and so you want lane access fee to be capped? It's still a broker. A broker takes one... A, a, a one party and another party and puts them together for a for a fee. You know, let me give you another example, okay? Y'all know that you can go to a farm and buy produce and, and buy a cow and take it home and kill it, right? Y'all do know that, right? But yet Kroger does that for you. Kroger maybe is acting like a broker. You don't have to buy food at Kroger. You can go buy it. You, hell, you can grow it yourself. But Kroger does it, and you do it for a fee. Do you think that Kroger's should have a cap on what they charge for their service? There's why is it fair? The, the, I'm sorry. Why is it fair that you your your portion of the free market can tell other portions of the free market that you can only be limited in what you make, but we should be able to make whatever we want? What if it were turned around? What if the brokers were in Washington, D.C. up there bouncing around, you know, and with signs and getting red hats and stuff, saying that it's, 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 it's criminal how much truckers make for hauling freight? You'd lose your ever-loving mind, okay? But that's what you're doing. You're up there trying to get broker transparency. For what? <laughs> Even if you get it. Those of you who, who this is so desperate for you to survive, it's not going to keep you from, from failing. You're failing for a reason. What the right. broker is not part of it. I love this other part of it, too, that I'm, I, am, I am insulting millions of my fellow truckers. Listen, I've made a, a career of insulting millions of my fellow truckers, okay? <laughs> if, if this industry was so good that it didn't need me, how could a 35-year-old photographer go get a cdl and within a year or two be be in the top one percent earners in this industry okay so 
it, it, it's it's not about that. It's 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 not about that at all. It's it's about understanding what you're doing here is a business. You know, you guys think that the business doesn't matter. You you guys think that getting more money from Anique on your load is going to save your business. It's not. Your business is failing because of decisions that you made. Okay. Very bad decisions. And now you're having to live with those decisions. And you're desperate. And instead of instead of looking in the mirror and go, wait a minute, maybe it's me that was wrong here. You want to take another group of people. And by the way, I did a little research today. Depending on who you uh, believe, there's anywhere from 17,000 to 100,000 brokers in this country. That's a big, wide number. Okay? But let's go with 17,000. Okay? Mm-hmm. I love this other thing too. Okay, uh, the the land access. But by the way, I don't know who this is. Atlanta. They don't identify themselves, so I, I don't. I can't put my finger on who it is. But they um, they, they talk about being abused. Their their whole advertising to drivers is is we're going to save these truckers from broker abuse. Abuse. Mm-hmm. People are that's, so that's like, bullshit. There is such a victim kink out there. Like. <laughs> Let me tell you about abuse. It would happen to me one time. Okay? Right. That after right. that, that's not abuse anymore. That's battered wife syndrome after that. Okay? If, if, you, have a, if you have a broker <laughs> that is abusing you and you're still going back to him, you're the problem. Here, let me, look, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's this panel put together now to, to do something about these predatory, abusive leases. Lease, lease purchases, okay? Yeah, the names on the the names on that list ought to terrify the shit out of you. I, listen, I, there's, I nothing I, I hate worse than a lease purchase, but do I think that it should be outlawed? No. Why? Because it's up to the market to decide whether a business is going to win or lose or not, not the government. If if, if there's an easy way of fixing abuse, whether it be a lease purchase or a broker or any other type of abuse. Just say no, but you won't. You'll take the load from Anique. She'll she will have out negotiated you. You'll take the load, then you'll get on Facebook and call and call her everything except what she is, because she outperformed you in the negotiating process. And you you didn't tell her no. You just took the load and started bad mouth her. That's what you. And asked. then they come into my comment section asking to see my bank accounts. Right. <laughs> yeah, I love that one too. Yeah, you know. Everything that I've done in trucking has been opposite of what normal people do. Everything. Right. I've taken you look, I'm the slum lord of Landstar. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Except right now. Right, uh, bankrupt uh, trucker uh, and the laundromat king. Right. Except right now, when we have a profit and loss statement that's not a loss and we and our business right. is growing and 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 we you know we Nobody talks about that now. Now everybody wants to talk about how important fuel mileage is. Everybody wants to talk about how important it is to control costs and know, know your cost of uh, uh, cost per mile. You know that was I was the lunatic two or three years ago. Now that's the way that you have to do business. So I just want you to to understand what's going on here. Okay, I, I don't hate brokers. I don't love brokers. I don't hate truckers. I don't love truckers. I hate people who try to prevent other, to take other people's rights away for your own self service. That's what I hate. Yeah. 
And that's what I'm going to always fight. Now, in this case, I don't think brokers are your problem. Okay. Maybe there is one or two of them that's, that's a turd. Okay. I can name you a whole bunch of drivers that are. They, they identify themselves pretty readily. But that doesn't still give you, just because you don't like somebody doesn't prevent them from being able to be in the free. The market always wins. If the market says that the brokers are not uh, um, uh, uh, bona fide, not legitimate, the market will decide that and they'll go away. But the market's also deciding that some of you guys in your business model is not going to make it and you're going to go away. And you're not going to be able to save it by dragging somebody else down and taking their money away from them. Okay? That's, that's, that's just like, that's bullying and thievery and all these other kinds of things. If it were turned around and, and done to you, you, would, you, you, you couldn't, you, there wouldn't be Trump, there wouldn't be enough Trumps around to save you. <laughs> you're like, a, they're like a kid you know, that gets a piece of chocolate cake and then their brother or their sister gets a piece of chocolate cake and they're like, they ate their chocolate cake and they were happy and it was delicious and they're full. They couldn't possibly eat another bite, but they're looking over at their brother or sister's plate and they're like, their piece is bigger. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And they're not even going to eat more. They're not going to, they have nowhere to put it, but... They just they just don't like it that somebody else has gotten it, and that exactly. and that's where that's where they get so offended because I challenge them because it in a lot of cases it is like dealing with children. I've got three of them in this house, you know, and there are times that I have to tell them, all right, well, you need to shut up and stop being a jackass to your brother or sister because you're being a jackass right now. You're being selfish. You're being ignorant. You're only thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about. Anybody but yourself, you, you are completely self-obsessed. And I just, I find it interesting if brokers were the problem and that Santiago guy said in one of his videos, or no, it was, it was a, one of his minions. Well, we're restarting a thing that started in 2020. And I'm thinking, yeah, y'all, y'all were awful quiet in 21 and 22 when you were making money hand over fist. You weren't mad at the brokers then, but now that the market has shifted, which is the only thing that matters, number of available trucks, number of available loads. It's called supply and demand, people. Read it and weep. You can like it. You can hate it. You can ignore it all you want. But the bottom line is when there's too many trucks and not enough loads, the rates are going to fall. No amount of, of, of legislation is going to fix that. And that's, that's why I oppose this broker transparency nonsense, not because I love brokers, because I oppose the use of force via the state on someone right. else. Y'all would- are all mad as hell when the state regulates you. Well, we're regulated. To, it's, it's, it's like, well, that, I mean, well, I'm getting beat. That guy ought to get beat too. And it's like, okay, how about we stop beating people? How, how about that? You know, but y'all use the state as this club when it's convenient for you. And then when somebody uses that very same club against you, oh, well, now you're righteous and mad and upset. Well, if you don't want it done to you, don't do it to them. 
but they can't handle that. But, but I am almost uh, I am almost on board with the transparency thing just because you can cross-reference it to publicly traded companies. And most 3PLs are publicly traded companies. If they don't start out that way, they eventually go that way. And so since they're publicly traded companies, they have to report profits. So right. if you're going to compare the records that are having to be kept due to 371.3 to the profits of these three PLs, I would really like to be there when you eat your hat. Right. Because if, if the magic wand that they think exists and, and the state could wave this magic wand and poof, I get to see all the broker's profit. Y'all are going to be really, really disappointed mm -hmm. because you're not going to be seeing this thing, which I, one of the thing I wanted to ask you, Larry brought this up last week. And that is when they say brokers are taking 65% of the profit. Could that be that there are broker contracts where say a load pays a thousand dollars, broker makes a hundred uh, fifteen percent, so they make one hundred fifty bucks, and then that agent of that broker makes sixty five percent commission on that one hundred fifty dollars. Maybe that's where they're getting that number. Here's Maybe. here's what it is when they say sixty five percent. This is the, what I have kind of figured out. So if you are a broker that is mostly a trade agent for a larger three PL. You um, get a, a margin. So say a shipment is $2,000 and um, you pay your, your driver $1,750. Um, that's that's two fifty dollars that you've just made off of it. If they're part of a larger 3PL, the standard, the industry standard is that you get 65% of that margin. Right, and the right. 3PL keeps 35% to right. vet your customers, to, you know, pay the driver, to factor, all that stuff, verify insurances, everything. So if they're getting that 65%, um, if that might be where it is that they're. Yeah, that's, that that's, what, that's what I, that's what I determined that they had to be. But it's again, a commission on. Yeah. The margin. You, when you factor, when you go through a factoring company, they keep a percentage. So if you are making, you know, if you're making $1,800 flat rate off of uh, a shipment, that factoring company is going to keep a percentage. So you're not actually making $1,800 off of it. That's part of your costs. That's part of your, your, your business expenses that you right. have to figure in. So the same thing applies to a 3PL and a freight agent. You know, that's just one of our expenses. We have to, we would have to pay, some, if we had our own brokerage and our own authority, then we would pay that factoring company on our own. We would pay our own insurance. We would pay our own surety bond. We would do all of that. They are just piggybacking off of a larger 3PL to do all that stuff, which equates to a business expense for a broker. Right. Which is, we get criticized a lot because we have a contract with Landstar that pays us 65% of the line haul. And so mm -hmm. they say, Landstar's taking 35% of your money. Well, no, it's not my money. Landstar's no. giving me 65% of their money. And in exchange for that 35%, we get a trailer, 
We get cargo liability insurance. We get discounts. Mm -hmm. We get compliance. We get billing. We get a lot of value mm -hmm. for that. <clears throat> but the independent will look at that and say, well, I could, you know, I could, I can get that stuff myself. Yeah. And I promise you, you're paying more for it than we are. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, you know, went, where else, you know, where else this happens? Your income taxes. Your income yeah. taxes. You're, you're getting protection from, from the military. You're getting social safety nets. You're getting all of this stuff in your taxes. You think that you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year when in reality you're making 85 because you have to pay those taxes. It's the same thing that applies. You, it, there's a cost of living. There's a cost of doing business. You know, and that's the simplest terms that you can come up with for it. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, you guys are going to get you're going to get accused of defending brokers, Chris. OK, right. I can't stress this enough. All right. We're not defending brokers. We're defending the 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 the, the free enterprise system. You know, that they, who, who's going to decide who can make unlimited and who's not in, in, in the world that these guys want to, want to create, you know? Right. I mean, wh where's it, where's it stop? I mean, you know, it, do we, do we, uh, I'll tell you another one that they really hate. Okay. And that is these private truck stops who own private property that charge for them to park on. That's, that's abuse. We can't have that. Why can we? Why do we let truck stops charges to park on their parking spot? That should be given to us for free. That's that's truck abuse, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. These poor little, in, indefensible little truck drivers that you know that have to have the government come in and protect them from all these people that are abusing them. These people that are making them sign these lease purchases. So we're going to have to have legislature to protect you from signing a lease purchase. You can't friggin' read. Okay, a piece of paper and decide whether or not you want to put your name to it. And I can answer that right now. The answer is no, they won't. They can't. We, we, <laughs> we have people every day on the Landstar Facebook groups bitching about the, the procedure, the policies at Landstar. Every one of them were lying down in a 62-page document that none of them read. Okay, none of them read. So, so we have to have the government protect you from yourself. Is that what it's going to take here? Little children, we have to have the principal have all the rules so that nobody can take advantage of you. I mean, y'all supposed to be these tough, you know, we, we run this country, truckers do this, until it comes to the point where a broker abuses you, a, 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 a fleet abuses you with a lease purchase, a, a truck stop abuses you because they charge you to park there. Really? You guys, you guys really, really need to understand what you, what you're, 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 you're showing yourselves to the public in ways that you have no idea. And you wonder why they won't let you use the restrooms. And you wonder why they don't want you parking in the Walmart parking lot. Okay. So yes, I, I, I do think truckers do a whole lot worse job at their job than brokers do at theirs. And you prove it every day. You prove it every day because you haul the freight and all you do is badmouth them. You haven't put any of them out of business. All right? Right. And not going to. No. no. If anything, you put yourself out of business because in, in you trying to spite that broker by being late or providing bad service, you don't think that that shipper knows who the carrier is that's coming to pick up the load? You know how right. many times I've had a shipper tell me 
Don't ever use that one again. Right. I'm not putting, I'm not blaming you for this, but don't use that shipper or uh, don't use that right. driver again. They don't come after me about it. But but Anik, if, it, if if they got rid of you, they would have to go to that shipper and sell themselves to that shipper. Okay. Right. What are the and they have to do it even though they misspell cuss words and they don't know how to read contracts. <laughs> what's the what's the chance that the, if they got what they want and got rid of brokers? They would be they would be a dog that caught, finally caught up with the car tire. And wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, but 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 I am being I am insulting my fellow truckers. According to Lane Access, I'm insulting all of my fellow truckers because of talking. They insult themselves because they they identify with it. If uh, if the shoe doesn't fit, then don't wear it. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to make you understand you're fighting the battle that you shouldn't be fighting. The battle you should be fighting is get your house in order. Okay. Get your house in order. Don't worry about somebody else's. Mm-hmm. All right, you're you have you. I can I could poll a hundred of you right now, and ninety nine of you, if we're to be honest, have no idea what your cost of operating your truck for one mile is. Zero. Not at all. Most okay. of you have no, no idea what your fuel mileage is. Zero. Okay. <laughs> Work on that. If I have to worry about fuel mileage, I'm not getting enough. Not rate. getting enough rate. How many times have we heard that? You know. <laughs> But all we listen, all we do is create us cram Dave Ramsey's Ramsey crap down people's throat. That's all we do here. Okay. That that's so so let me let me give you one more little tidbit of advice before I leave because my grandchildren are here and I I got more important things to do than dealing with ignorant truck drivers, okay? And that is this the podcast has, has always been the opinion of me and Chris. Okay. Yep. It's never yep. been advertised as journalism. It's never been advertised as something that you need to subscribe to, okay? It's very easy. If you don't like what we're talking about, just scroll. Just scroll up, okay? Super easy. And, and, and in a way, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is if you don't like it, F off, okay? It, we're not, we're not going to stop. If it hurts no. your feelings, F off, okay? Right. If you take it, F off. Now, if you want to have a conversation... And you're not going to be the black crayon versus the white crayon if you have any critical thinking ability. And if you have any way of debating and, and supporting your, your argument, let's have it. But just to get on there and start calling people names and da-da-da-da-da, F them, F that, and that, that doesn't accomplish anything. All it does is show how ignorant you are, okay? That's if my you, comment section, if, Larry. <laughs> if you hate us this much, why are you listening to it? You, you know, I can't go anywhere. You, you can't know, go, it's your chance. It's your page. <laughs> you, you know everything scroll. we say, so that means you have to invest time here. So, right. if, it's yeah. so if, if it's so, if it's so impo- repulsive to you, and what they don't understand got, is that the more they comment, the more the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. actually, it helps us. You know, you're not hurting us a bit. But, but look, I had I this hate, one guy that was hate. like, I hate it. I constantly see you. And I'm like, then stop commenting. Yeah. But, but I'm going to I'm gonna respond to you so that you do see me all the time. <laughs> I, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate truck drivers, okay? We, we stereotype mm-hmm. and make fun of them because it's fun to do and it, everybody gets a laugh, okay? Now, if y'all can't mm-hmm. take that, that's just, I'm sorry, all right? Listen, I, I've been made fun of all my life. I, I'm, I'm used to it, okay? It's no big deal, all right? So get over it. But 
you, you know, all, all I'm trying to do is prove a point that you're 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 jousting the wrong windmill here, guys. Okay, that this is if you got what you want, the unintended consequences are beyond what you ever ever thought that would happen to you, and you're not going to yep. like it. It's a very slippery slope, and you don't need to go there. There's no reason. It's not going to accomplish anything. It's not even going to save your business. Okay, because if your business is that bad that you need another few percentage from a broker for you to stay in business, there was a guy, I told this story, I'll, Nick, I'll tell you for your benefit and for the listeners. There was a guy, there was an article in Overdrive Magazine a couple weeks ago where this guy, who was an, uh, an independent, he had a customer forever and ever and ever, and the customer was going to rebid the freight, and, and, uh, and you know, he... he, he Debated on whether or not to rebid it and lower the price. And he finally decided he was going to hold his ground. And he went to the customer and he explained his, his costs. And he explained he, he sold his service. And the customer actually agreed to not lower the price to him. So for you, we're going to keep you at the old price. Everybody's going to have to rebid. So the guy mm-hmm. left there a winner. You know what he did? He went right out of there and went and ordered a brand new truck with a custom paint job. That that's what I'm talking about, guys. That's what I'm talking about. In this market, after you just almost lost your, you need to turn around and go buy buy a new truck. Come on, okay. These Let's are the people what, that spent their stimulus checks on Xboxes. <laughs> and, yeah. and when they had a when they had a chance to make a ton of money in 2021, they all just went home. They they pulled one or two loads, made all their money, and then quit. You know, mm-hmm. so anyway, I can't. You know, we, we teach business here, we don't teach trucking. If you want to understand business, we're happy to work with you, okay? But if you want to just be a nerd or a turd or a dick, no, you know, <laughs> sorry. Good night, everybody. Anik, thanks for being good night, on. Good night, Larry. Tonight. Y'all have You're a good one. See you. Enjoy Bye. your grandbabies. Thank you. So, that one, one criticism. <clears throat> One criticism that Lane Access had was, you know, I said, well, you know, you took you took the clip out of context. Well, you mm-hmm. created the clip. Well, that's 100% true. I did create the one-minute clip of an hour-and-a-half podcast. I mm-hmm. did choose that clip. Um, and like I told you before the, the show began, there was a guy when I was about 24 years old. Um, I was whining and complaining about something, and he said, son, let me explain to you why you're such an idiot. And I thought, excuse me, sir. And he proceeded to explain why I was such an idiot. And I went, holy crap. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. You know? And that was an awakening moment for me because in 24 years, nobody said, Hey buddy, you're an idiot. And when somebody finally did, I went, okay, well, let me examine. Am I an idiot? Oh God. The answer is yes. Yes. I'm an idiot. And therefore, I began to turn a very big ship with a very small rudder. I began to turn and it took a while, but at some point I had to go, gosh, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm just repeating things that sound good to me. I'm repeating. Well, you know, don't believe everything you, uh, was it? Don't believe everything you think is an important piece of advice. Sure. So, well, let me bring everybody up to speed real quick on kind of what, what's been going on here lately. 
my my I have had one hell of a week, and I'm I'm four beers in, so Mazel Tov. I found I found shotgun wedding. I found shotgun wedding at the gas station a while ago. This is uh country boy brewing from Kentucky and it is fantastic. I actually um, found some Buffalo trace, which oh. has been impossible lately. Well, listen, Larry is the bourbon connoisseur. It all tastes like turpentine to me, but <laughs> he is the bourbon connoisseur. So here's what I've been up to this week. <clears throat> uh, my, listen, my fat ass is wore out. Um, this is a truck that we uh, we operated for, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand miles. Last June, a driver rolled it over uh, mm-hmm. and totaled it. And so we bought a toter, and I drove uh, 750 miles, bobtailed 750 miles out to Missouri mm-hmm. and hooked to this truck. And, y'all, I never would have dreamed how difficult that is. Uh, but I got into this rainstorm in Springfield, the traffic went from 55 miles an hour to three to the point where we're just sitting still. And the wind is blowing that damn tractor behind me. And I thought, I thought I was going to get flipped over. Well, then the residual wind from, for the next five or six hours, just, I mean, it, that thing wore my ass out. So what was supposed to be like a two and a half day trip turned in almost four. But I got it back, and so I made some content on TikTok. I'm going to make some content for YouTube, but we're going to we're going to disassemble that truck, and it's going to donate its parts to other trucks. So that content is coming. Uh, that's a 2012 glider that we bought for seventeen thousand dollars, probably in 2020, I think. I'll, I'll get all the details together. Um, but it's a 2017 glider with a 12.7 Detroit direct drive 10 speed and 264 rears. It was a fantastic truck until the driver went around the curve too fast. And it was funny. He called me. He's like, man, I got a problem. I'm like, what happened? He goes, I laid this truck over. I said, you did what? I laid this truck over. I said, what happened? He's like, well, I think my load shifted. And I said, well, send me pictures. So then when I saw this, you know, the skid marks, I'm like, well, yeah, this, the load indeed shifted. When you had it up on nine wheels, <laughs> the load 100% shifted. Um, it moved. It moved. It did, it did move. <laughs> it absolutely did. Uh, and he was such a good kid. I hated that it happened to him, you know. Uh, and, of course, Lane Star canceled him. Um, but he was, he was a good kid. He just made a bad decision. Yeah. And that's a the costly thing. decision. When you make a bad decision, shit happens. So anyway, I've got we got it back now, um, and of course I've been out of the office all week, and I left the inmates running the asylum. Um, so that was fun to come back to. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got everything put back together, um, and so that that content's coming. I want I've been wanting to do content like that because we talk so much about these lunatic trucks because all of our trucks are old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we run them for a reason because it makes mathematical sense. It's a risk aversion. It's, you know, there's reasons, mathematical reasons that we do this and we buy trucks for $10,000. I've got one sitting in front of my house that we bought for 10 grand. That truck's going to donate some parts to it. And, uh, and then we're going to, we're going to outline all of that. And I've wanted to been doing this for, I've wanted to do this forever, but like Cletus McFarland famously said one time um everybody wants to be a youtuber until it's time to edit 
because editing sucks and it takes better, a lot of time. Better than me. I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it. I would It's not. tough. I don't have time. Okay. Now now this part what I want to do right now and I've been mm-hmm. thinking about this all week and and the one beautiful thing about driving the first day when I went out uh, Larry and I drove to nor uh Indiana to pick up a truck. And I drove that truck to um South Bend to pick up the toter. We bought a brand mm-hmm. new toter and I drove nine hours back home in complete silence. I didn't listen to a podcast. I didn't listen to an audio book. I didn't have music on. I just drove and it was awesome. Um, but I had a lot of time to think about this and I may regret this later, but I'm going to do this anyway. I want to take this time to explain to you why I am against broker transparency. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. it's not because I love brokers. It's not because mm-hmm. I think they're virtuous and wonderful. And um, it, it's not even about whether they should exist or shouldn't exist. And should I get a percentage or not a percentage? While everybody is sitting there debating on whether or not brokers should or shouldn't, they're getting shit done. Exactly. 100%. Now, so, so in the words of all of my shippers and all of my customers, shut the hell up and drive. Right. That's what you put on the application. That's what you try. That's what you wanted to do when you went to CDL school and when you got trained, right. shut up and drive. And I know everybody's offended that in, you know, or well, there's a bunch of people that were offended that I said that we're, we're customer focused, not driver focused. So anyway, if, if everyone will indulge me for a few minutes and let me walk through this, I will explain to you why I am against broker transparency. Now, I'm going to start with a picture. This is three years ago. This is my wife and I. Last weekend, we celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. We went to dinner. We went to a comedy show. We had a great time. Well, this was three years ago on May 8th, 2020. And this is us sitting in our minivan eating our anniversary dinner. Now we didn't plan to sit in the van and eat our anniversary dinner on May 1st of 2020, the state of Georgia opened indoor dining. And I told her leading up to that, I said, so help me God on the 8th of May on our anniversary, our 16th anniversary, we will sit and celebrate our anniversary in a restaurant. And the state of Georgia had opened pretty much before anybody else. Florida was still closed. Uh, all the other surrounding states were still closed. And I, and I picked out two restaurants in Georgia and we were seven hours away. And I said, if I have to drive seven hours, we will eat in a restaurant and celebrate our anniversary. Well, leading up to that, to that time as the clock was ticking down toward May 1st, there's this unhinged lunatic, not far from me in Charleston. He calls himself the governor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he runs around with this bulldog all the time. That picture's from the state of the state address, by the way. Good for him. That's a le- <laughs> that's a real picture. Yes. Well, from his from his royal chamber, he decreed um, that the peasants should be allowed to eat outdoors uh, starting on May first. Well, there's a restaurant here ten miles from the house that has an outdoor well, kind of an outdoor seating area. It used to be a Uno's pizza and they mm-hmm. have these, this, this patio with all these garage doors. And so I called them and I said, Hey, 
does this count? And they said, yep, absolutely. It counts. And I said, well, our wedding anniversary is Friday. Um, we're going to come and we're going to eat. And she said, absolutely. Come on in. I said, do I need a reservation? She said, nope. Be here about four 30. You'll be in great shape. I said, awesome. Now I'm still driving on the road at this time. I'm not working in the office. I'm still an active truck driver. So I get home, we jump in the van, we drive to the restaurant, we walk in the front door and she's, and I said, she's like, are you here for a pickup? And I said, Nope, we're here to eat inside. And she goes, well, I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, the alcohol beverage people were just here and they threatened to close our restaurant and take our liquor license away. If we didn't shut down the indoor, uh, the out outdoor dining. And I said, well, did you tell them to fuck off? And, and, the, and the owner was standing there and he goes, well, I'd rather be in business in 10 years than in two weeks. So yeah, we, we told him we'll shut it down. So we go out to the van and I called the alcohol beverage commission and I told him exactly what I thought of him. And he said, you can't say that to me. And I said, well, I just did. My wife has video of this somewhere on her phone. And so I, I absolutely lit this son of a bitch. Um, I lit him up. Um, because I was like, how dare you? You know, the, everybody said the health department came in and said it was fine. And, and he said it was fine. And of course they wanted to throw their weight around. And so they threatened this restaurant with violence. Um, if they did not, uh, if they did not close this outdoor dining now around this same time period, like I think maybe a month later, the Royal decree came down that, that, that the peasants could eat inside a restaurant, but they had to be masked. Mm -hmm. And there was a little small bistro. And I'm like talking, you could maybe get 15 people in their little, you know, it's one of these really fancy, mm -hmm. they don't sell Coca-Cola. You know, they sell right. the local. $30 and you get that much food. Right. But fantastic food. Okay. Well, they put out a Facebook post and they said, look, <clears throat> the governor has said we can have indoor dining, but everybody has to wear a mask. Well, we're not going to be the mask police. We're not going to force our customers to wear masks. If they want to, great. If they don't want to, we're not going to refuse them service if they don't. And all hell broke loose. There were that Facebook shut down their, their Facebook page, like deleted their Facebook page the health department showed up and was inspecting them three times a day until uh, John Bryan, the civil rights attorney on YouTube, basically sued everybody and their dogs. He sued their kids under a Section 1983 lawsuit, and they all scattered like roaches. Um, but when he got done subpoenaing everybody, they all backed off. Now, that restaurant is still open today. Mm -hmm. But here was this, this threat of violence, you know, and the, and the governor of West Virginia is in reality, he's just the chief executive of a, of an executive organization, an administrative organization, no different like the CEO of Hobby Lobby, except the CEO, CEO of Hobby Lobby can't send men with guns to my house who just decided that he was going to execute this power against people. Now I spent two years on the road, I didn't come off the road until August of 21. And so from the beginning of the, 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 the operation in, in March of 2020, until I stopped driving, I ignored every mandate and every rule set down in every state, 33 states. I did not obey anything that they said ever the entire time. 
here I am. Nothing ever happened to me. Now, my wife, unfortunately, when I wasn't with her, she ignored all the same stuff that I did. And there would always be some man. It was never a woman. I always found that interesting. There would always be some man that would come up to her and, and threaten her when, with my children around. But if I would have been Does there, I promise you me? he wouldn't. Well, no, no, it doesn't surprise me. But I, I'm just I'm just noting it for the record that there was always if my wife went to go in somewhere not wearing a mask or whatever, it was always a man that would come after her. But I just believe in my soul that had I been there, you would never walk up and say, no, absolutely to me. not. It would absolutely, you know, but he always there's found my a, wife. There's a substantial difference. And that's just to, uh, as a side here, there's a substantial difference between your comment section and my comment section. There's a substantial mm -hmm. difference between how people talk about brokers in your comment section versus how they do in mine. And I got own. a, I got a community service violation because there was a guy in my comment section that called you a bitch. Yeah. And I responded to it and my video got taken. Now they, to their credit, I they did it. put it back up. Yeah. But I mean, instantly because I responded to a guy that was being hateful and harassing a woman and I responded to it, my video got taken down, but it's mm -hmm. like, it amazes me that those comments stay up, but then if you respond to them, boom, your videos removed. That's oh, fascinating sure. to me. And everybody's like, well, you know, you effortlessly respond to these people. That's my life in this industry every day. Right. Every single day. My comment section is no different than a load board. My comment section is no different than my emails when they find out that I'm a woman. And I, I am not, uh, I'm not keeping that a secret. My picture is in my signature of my email. Right. And as soon as they see that tone is totally different to the point that one of the agents that I had working for me, I was going through negotiations with a, a driver and he was like hell bent on a number that was really just not reasonable. And so I was like, Vinny, call him about his truck <laughs> and find out what the rate is going to be. So I think that he was saying something like $5,000 to me. And then Vinny gets a hold of them and they're like down at $3,000. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. take it and let them know that I'm the, I'm the dispatcher <laughs> or I'm the manager of it. <laughs> so you've got to understand that my, this is me talking. I'm not speaking for Larry or anybody else at Blue Ridge. This is just me disobedience is the most effective in all of human history. If you, I'll tell you a great book to read, uh, Thaddeus Russell's Renegade History of the United States. Mm -hmm. Every freedom that you have was fought for you through disobedience. It was people mm -hmm. that said, nope, not going to do it. Go mm -hmm. read about the Stonewall riots in 1969, where drag queens beat the crap out of a bunch of cops. Corrupt that's, cops, that's by the way. That's how they, they, started. Yeah, that's how the modern, uh, L, the well, not the modern, the, the LGBT in the 80s and 90s. But it started because a bunch of corrupt cops who were taking payments to, to keep this Stonewall, it was like a gay bar, basically. Mm -hmm. 
And then they decided, oh, well, okay, we've been taking payments to keep this open. Well, now we're going to shut it down. And they went, no, you're not. And they beat the shit out of them with like, mm-hmm. they were like, I mean, imagine men in drag beating the crap out of cops. Yeah. But it was, it was always, queen. was always pride. disobedient. It was, it was a black drag queen and pride was not started to be a party. It was started out of necessity because they were protesting that they were protesting getting harassed. Right. But somebody, somebody had to get, you know, beaten up in order for that movement to start. It's never anybody who's following the rules that affects change. Nobody, nobody really saw 2020, the year 2020 coming. Mm-hmm. And for what, for whatever circumstances, in the and of course, when I was driving, I was huge into audiobooks and podcasts. And in early 2020, I listened to two books: Renegade History of the United States and the Autobiography of Malcolm X. Well, listen, that's a real bad combination going into, you know, kind of an authoritarian state. You How know, angry that's just, were you in 2020? <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I mean, I, I was rolling with Malcolm X quotes, you know. Um, it's a revolution. <laughs> But at the, at the end of the day, you know, I just said, no, I'm not going to do this. Do whatever you want. You're, you're free. I'm not ever going to stop you from doing anything. You want to stay home, stay home. You want to get, you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to do whatever you want to do. I am not going to stop you. However, I'm just not going to participate in whatever you want to do. And you're just going to have to be okay with that. So when this broker transparency stuff started and I read the rhetoric in which the rhetoric is brokers are scum. Brokers are evil. Of course, this is all spelled wrong. Brokers are thieves. Of course, none of y'all even mention factoring companies. That doesn't even cross Or dispatching services. Or dispatching services. Which, well, look, people pay me to dispatch for them because I'm really, really, really good at it. I'm sure, fantastic but you at have it, you these know? people who are, you have these people that are just fly by the seat of their pants who are like, oh yeah, I'll dispatch for you. They don't have to be right. bonded. They don't have to, we, they don't have any of that. And we they, have a guest. We have a guest. Oh. You, oh, the trucker, dude. negotiate directly with the shipper. We have no say on rates. You get paid directly fast and get a, I'm guessing a truckload of other benefits. We take a 1% fee, like not 20 to 70% like brokers. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Okay. I am 100% for, listen, I love disruptive technology. We're coming out of a discussion about disobedience. Okay. Disobedience is disruption. And every good thing that we have like these, these phones, started by a couple teenagers in a garage, was disruptive to other people. I'm all for disruptive technology. But what you're doing, Lane Axis, which I used to be a big fan, not so much anymore. What you're doing is you're, you're, you're trying to start a war. And that's unnecessary. Has some broker somewhere at some point conned some dumbass truck driver into taking a road at 30% of the rate? Undoubtedly, at some point. But every metric I've ever seen is the average 
is 15%. And you know why I believe that? Because it's common sense. Because I don't believe that shippers are stupid. I don't believe that shippers who have a fiduciary responsibility to their consumer are dumb enough to, to, to allow a broker to charge them $3 a mile and, to, and pay a, a driver a dollar a mile or a truck a dollar a mile. I don't believe that shippers are that stupid. Now, the big problem that I have with the attitude that has come from lane access in the last couple of days, I don't hear y'all giving a shit about the shipper, the person paying the bill, the customer, because we're customer focused. We don't exist without customers. You can say, oh, well, the customers can't move anything without the truck driver. Yeah, but see, I'm concerned down to the consumer because that's how economics works. I'm concerned about the basic economics here that says if the shipper, which their transportation costs, my God, have been unbelievable. If you want to have a talk about of factoring, because brokers are factoring and trucks are factoring, because look, if you said to me, okay, listen, I'm done with brokers. These brokers are a bunch of crooks and thieves. I'm going direct. You have my absolute respect. Man, these factoring companies are taking too much and these payday loans. I'm going to wait and do the billing myself and get paid in 180 days. You have my absolute respect. Where you lose my respect is you're not willing to go direct. You're not willing to do the hard work. You're not willing to do the sales. You're not willing to cash, basically bankroll your, bankroll your own billing and, and, and collect your own receivables and you're not willing to do that, but you're going to run off to Congress, possibly the most corrupt body of human beings in the, on the planet ever in history, and you're going to get them to fix the problem for you. Listen, Lane Axis, if you want to be disruptive to the in industry and you want to challenge Anik and you want to do what Anik does and you want to do it better, brother, have at it. But see, I, I don't believe say, you anymore. I don't believe I, you anymore. So back, I did a video on this. Um, well, I used this example in the video, but back in like 2006 during the Hubble, uh, when there was like a, you know, the prices were just going way too high and people mm -hmm. were looking for some kind of relief. They obviously went and they blamed the realtors and partially they were, they were to blame, but there was a company um, called Home Discovery and all the realtors were charging 6%, but then Home Discovery came in and they were only charging 2%. But what you got with that was just a simple lockbox on your door if you were selling your house. No mm -hmm. realtor walked these strangers through the house. You expressed interest in viewing the house and you would be issued a code. They didn't check for pre-approval of these uh, potential buyers. They didn't check to see if they were pre-qualified. They didn't do anything like that. And if somebody did put an offer in on the house, there was no guidance about inspections or appraisals or anything like that. And after a little while, they realized that they weren't going to be able to survive on that business model of 2%. So they went and they offered up shares and became publicly traded. And one of their biggest backers was Outback Steakhouse. And after a couple of years, because the market was just so volatile, it crashed and it burned. So mm -hmm. I see you are offering 
shares for sale because now you're publicly traded. Do you see where I'm going with this? See where yeah, I'm going yeah. with it? it? It's, I just, <clears throat> listen, y'all, I'm 100% about disintermediation, okay? the clo As a truck operator, the closer you get me to the customer, the better off we both are. I've had a direct relationship with a single shipper through a Landstar agent since 2014. Okay. That guy had a problem with a trailer this week. I haven't hauled one of his loads in two years. Okay. But he had a problem with a trailer. Somebody dropped a trailer and it was dirty or whatever. I just called his cell phone. Hey man, what's the problem? How can mm -hmm. I fix your problem? Okay. I have that because it's me, a Landstar agent and that customer. That it, it's, it's super, super close. Now, if there were two or three other intermediaries, it's going to be harder for me and me and him to have that direct one-on-one. -on -one. I've got his cell phone and he knows it's me calling. I'm 100% about getting the shippers and the carriers closer together because it's better for both of them. However, the shipper is not at this point this is my belief. The shippers are not prepared to go to the expense to have people on their payroll that they're paying health care on, they're paying workers' comp on, they're paying electric for, all the, all the costs that are involved in having a person on payroll to fill those calls, to find those trucks, because it's easier and better for them. At this point, could change. Markets are markets are, are ever changing, you know. I don't know what ten years now from now holds, but we cannot throw away the shippers' need for an intermediary until I we offer, provide them with something better. I do offer a portal. I do offer the ability for them to quote uh, in an automated way. I offer them the ability to. Um, track all of it. I, I have all of the tracking, you know, technology for them. There is something to be said about having your handheld. There's something to be said. Yeah. Even though I can see the truck on the map right there in Louisiana, I just need you to reassure me that it's going to be there. You're not eliminating phone calls. You're not eliminating any um, negotiations. You're not doing anything like that because they're still going to pay for it. And they, right. they still need the human element of it. They still need the bedside manner. And yep. that is why all of the other, all of the other interfaces have failed. That's why you still don't see convoy taking off. That's why your biggest competitors lane access are still UPS supply chain solutions and XPO, which are brokers. You are essentially turning yourself into a broker, but you are, are trying to put on this, this cape saying you're going to save this industry and save these truckers. You are not only turning yourself into a broker, but you're turning yourself into a home discovery esque broker that is only going to crack and drive shippers and drive customers closer to and faster to brokers that they have known and trusted and are tried and true. Right. So 
I don't want you to think for a second that you're a savior. I don't want you to think for a second that you're eliminating any kind of a problem. What you're doing is making it worse. And then they're, they're going to realize that the only real solution is to go to the broker who has helped them the, the most this whole time. Yeah. And, and this and is, this is what happens when your software is carrier driven and not shipper driven completely forgetting that the shippers are the ones that pay the bills. Right. 100%. I, I had a, I, I had the wildest experience last night. <clears throat> you know, my phone rings. <clears throat> I never know what's on the other end. Driver says, Hey man, my radiator's leaking. He sends me a video and there's coolant pouring out of the top of the radiator. And I'm like, well, that, that sucks. We've got to deal with that. And he said, well, when I, <clears throat> when I opened the hood and the steam came out, a wrecker pulled over in front of me. And this guy has a shop four miles away. And for $500, he'll pull me to his shop. I talked to the guy. We've got the radiator in stock. We'll have him put back together by midnight. I thought, okay, well, you have my attention, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody knows what it's like to find parts over the last couple of years. Yeah. And so I literally had a guy break a radiator at like six o'clock last night didn't miss the appointment, delivered the load today. I mean, it was the perfect storm of situations where I got the truck fixed overnight. But they could have said, well, listen, man, I mean, yeah, we can get you off the road, but we'll get to you in a couple of days. They were like, no, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to you tonight. We'll have this truck fixed by midnight. And by God, they did. While the truck's on mm -hmm. a 10-hour break, they've put a radiator in it. It was $4,200. <laughs> that hurt. Ouch. Cost Ouch. doing business. You know, but that truck will make that money back in four weeks, you know, and mm -hmm. it's completely clear and it's completely behind us. And now the guy's running down the road in the, with a new radiator, delivered the load. Now, that delay caused me a problem where, uh, okay, now I've got to find him a load for the weekend. There was nothing, 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 nothing. And all of a sudden, a load popped up, 3000 bucks. Pick up Sunday, deliver Monday, $3,000. Well, hell Thank yeah, you. all day long. I'm going to take that deal. Mm -hmm. But I was ready. I was prepared. I knew where I was. I knew what my cost was. And the very minute my phone lit up with that load, boom. I hit that button. I was the first guy to call. I secured that load. Like, it's just, you have to put stuff behind you. And one of the things that I think happens, and I see this at Landstar, okay, which we're just a microcosm of the bigger market. If something bad happens, which in trucking, loads are going to cancel. Customers are going to screw up. Somebody's going to, I had it this week where somebody, I booked a load. It was a direct, direct customer. I booked a load. He called back. He said, man, I'm so sorry, but somebody messed up and we thought that we had a load, but we, it actually left today. We made a mistake. I'm so sorry. And I said, okay. And I moved on with my life because shit happens, mm -hmm. you know, right. but when the inevitable things happen, in trucking, where a truck breaks down or a load cancels or they don't have the product ready or they put it on the wrong trailer, when the human element comes in, and listen, humans could screw up an anvil, 
I mean, you know, we 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 are really really good at making dumb decisions and screwing stuff up. And then I'm going to blame the very closest person to me. That's the broker. That's the agent. That's the whoever. Completely discounting that somebody else made a, a mistake. What the plant went down. They they stopped making. They couldn't make the thing. Well, when they couldn't make the thing. They called somebody and said, we don't have the thing. Now, mm-hmm. have I personally seen, uh, and I, I used this as thing before, where I had a load booked through a broker. I don't know who the actual broker was. The agent called me and said, hey, this load canceled. I said, well, shit. Okay, move on. I reset my alert, and the very same load po- pulled up for $600 less. Now, the $600 less was still above my minimum. And when it popped up, it was an agent that I knew. And I called her. I still remember. I said, Kim, what's the deal with this load? She's like, I don't know. It just popped up for two grand. And I said, is it available? She said, yeah. I said, book it. She called and book it. I think one of two things happened. Somebody didn't want to pay the $2,600. They wanted to pay the $2,000. And they called this agent that I had booked through. Whatever happened, whatever, right? The uh-huh. agent takes the phone call where they say, we're not paying this. We're going to pay this. And he either A, told them to F off, or B, he didn't want to tell me because he didn't want to f- to have me scream and yell at him where I would have said, well, you know what? It's still above my minimum. I don't care. Just book it, right? I booked the same uh, load. Do you want to hear, hear what my opinion is on that? Go ahead. Just because it's a dirty broker trick. So, it could be. 100% could be. Yeah. So basically, they made an offer. They thought that it was great. The, lo- the load was still posted up. They went and um, were about to, they were about to tell their customer somebody else came in at $2,000. So then they, they go and they revise the rate to there and the customer's like, yeah, absolutely book it. And by the time they got back to the driver to say, yeah, we want your truck, that truck's gone because that truck is going to be gone if it's offering its services for dirt cheap like that, mm-hmm. $600 below what other people are willing to well, take it for. I mean, fairness, at this point, it was like from $6 a mile to like $5 a mile. You know what I mean? But I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So now she's posting it back up because she has to honor the, the revised rate that she gave to her to her shipper and uh let's let's see let's see what uh gets thrown at the wall and gets stuck but it's a it's a rookie broker move of trusting um a rate that small that's why when that's why the last on here i said i don't trust the really cheap rates i won't right. pay them well and i i've talked i've talked to landstar agents i've talked to customers and this customer that i've had a relationship with for gosh now nine years Mm-hmm. He'll call him when the market dips like this. He wants to negotiate. He, hey, man, we're going to talk about this rate. Now, look, we're talking 15 cents. You know, I'll give him 15 cents, you know, because sure. in the grand scheme of thing, the thing's still paying me $5,000 for two or three days, right? Um, but of course, he learns his lesson, you know, because he'll, he'll bring that cheap ass carrier in. And he he, he delivers he builds windows house windows you know mm-hmm. well, well those require those require some care well guess what you don't get when you pull in the bottom feeder rate 
you don't get care. Okay. You don't get care. And they and they destroy the windows and and they never show up on time. And they he's show like, up with well, holes in their truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure, that's an air ride. Well, I guess your rate was worth it after all. Mm-hmm. You would think they'd learn their lesson, but I'm not, you know, when, especially at Landstar, you know, people get so bent out of shape. Number one, because they think a posting on the Landstar board uh, is indicative of a real load. No, it's probably not. It's they're seeing something on a broker board. They're posting it up to try to get you to call. And if you'll mm-hmm. call, they'll try to get it. Yeah. Um, the problem is, and this is the overarching problem. Y'all want everything to be easy. Well, guess what? Everything's not easy. It used to I be. Would, I would we, rather have my fingernails pulled out than to make a sales call. Okay. I am excellent at what I do. I am really, really good at putting loads together and making it work so that you can have the best week that you have. I'm, I am excellent at that. Mm-hmm. But I would rather take an ass whipping than to go knock on somebody's door and ask for their rate. I'm not a salesman. Okay. I hate that. I hate, I, were, I sold cars in like 1998 for like two months. Oh, it was the most terrifying, horrifying experience of my life to try to do that. I hate sales. I'm not good at it. I'm mm-hmm. really good at running a fleet. I am absolutely fantastic at running a fleet. I am more than willing to give a percentage of the revenue over to someone who's really good at something that I suck at. They're Mm -hmm. really good at something I don't want to do. I don't want to knock on doors. I don't want to make sale calls. I don't want to get told no 500 times. Give me the loads. Have somebody else do that work. Give me the loads and listen, I will put a fleet together and I will run loads and I will have trucks on time. And I, I beat into these people communication. You will send an email when you get there. You will send an email when you leave. You will send an email when you arrive. If, 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 if the wind blows the wrong direction, you will send that agent an email and you will let them know that there's a problem, right? I'm really super good at that stuff, but I'd rather take an ass whipping than make a sales call. So why would I not contract with someone who's really good at that and mm-hmm. does the thing that not only do I not want to do, I suck at, I'm terrible at that. Why would I not give that to someone more than happy to give a percentage of the revenue over to somebody that does that? Well, it's really difficult. <clears throat> I'm sorry. There's a bit all of I was going to say is if I punch that person, if I if I'm going to voluntarily give that percentage away to someone to do that, and then I punch them in the mouth for doing it, mm-hmm. what what what's what's the point in doing that? Yeah, I it's it's a tough dichotomy for a broker like me who works both ends because I'm having to talk to you guys and you know. We curse and we have, you know, a sailor mouth because we were, we, we're, we're truck drivers with, you know, sailors for moms. <laughs> so our mouths are just tough and they don't act right. And then I have to like in the next breath, call a shipper, call a customer for a potential like sales call. And I'm going through furs and that's their job is to gatekeep and they do it really well. And, um, you know, I really just want to whip out the trucker mouth but i have to be super sweet you know 
I have to be charming. So it's it's tough. We we do wear two hats at once, where we have to be, you know, just tough enough to stand out with our customers, where we can like kind of show our chops a little bit and how we handle mm -hmm. drivers, but also sweet and kind, so that they know that you know we're okay to deal with ourselves <laughs> and that we're not going to wear those types of gloves with them. But yeah, it's. It, I have to get into a, a mindset, like a real mindset in order to prepare myself for those kinds of calls all the time. I'll do it through email every day, all day. But, but if I actually have to, mm -mm, no, mm -hmm. I, that's, that's a mood. And that is a mind frame that, um, you know, I have to find myself in if I'm going to do that. It's it, there's an, there's an emotional intelligence Okay. Emotional mm -hmm. IQ. Right. I had an agent make me mad. Right. It, mm -hmm. it was a land star agent. Now he had a direct customer. Now my, my driver called him and didn't give him good information and made him nervous mm -hmm. where I, I feel like if the, if the driver wouldn't have made that phone call, I could have held it together. And the guy said, you know what? I'm, I'm finding another truck. I'm going to move on. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Here's the he said, listen, I'm moving on. He moved on. It didn't make mm -hmm. me mad. Yes, it did. But it gave me an opportunity to counsel my driver. There's mm -hmm. a, when, when someone has a, a customer that's really important to them mm -hmm. and you give them some bullshit information because you haven't thought before you speak right. and they go, oh my God, I'm dealing with an idiot. They're going to mm -hmm. move on, There's a you know? There's a reason that like card counters in Vegas, they're, they just pay attention to numbers. The yep. second they start getting emotional about the wins and the losses, that's when they're totally lose. And it, yep. the same thing applies in the hustle and gamble of sales, of negotiating rates, of, you know, hearing that thing book it or send the truck in because that's like a little dopamine hit. So... Mm -hmm. You know, you, once you start getting, I will make, it took me a little while to realize that I make the worst decisions on behalf of my customers. And that's the worst part when I get emotional. So even though I have a, a truck that's due to pick up in an hour and I don't have a bite in sight, I will get up, up and walk, clear my head and come back to it level headed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have to do that too. You're having a little bit of an internet issue. I you have great have internet. I am. Well, it, sometimes this this uh, restream needs you to refresh your browser. Oh. Well. Try that real quick. I am on an iPad for this. So. Um. If you're on an iPad, iPad, just just, just refresh. refresh. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me answer this. Uh, what are some good books or podcasts to improve speech and comprehension? Where did you guys learn to do that? Well, if you've listened to me talk for more than five minutes, you understand that I've never read any of those books. Um, I actually did start. <laughs> I actually did start listening to. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
uh, last week on the mower. It takes me about four hours to mow all of uh, all the grass around here. And so it's my only opportunity to listen to audiobooks anymore. Um, but it's it's good. But, you know, I mean, it was written in like 1940-something. So it's, you know, it is what it is. But there's some good information uh, in there about making people feel good, making them feel like they're important. Um, <clears throat> that's what all of these famous examples that are given in that Dale Carnegie book are about people that, um, that list that were, that were good listeners, um, that made people feel important, that made them feel like they mattered. Now I haven't finished the book, so there might be other stuff in there. Um, the big thing is, and especially this is hard for truck drivers because I was one, I am one, whatever, 25 years. It's very easy for you to sit there behind the wheel and look through that windshield, feel neglected, feel abused, feel abandoned. That's a very natural thing to happen to someone that's locked in a, you know, 70 square inch box or whatever it is. You know, um, it's a very natural feeling. But if you will start to think about how what you do benefits others, and it's what I preached to my kids. I was telling my daughter the other day, I said, look, darling, what, I don't care what, what you do. I want you to be free. Okay? That means I want you to not sign up for some high-interest car loan. Right? My daughter's very musical. She's a champion fiddle player. And she found out that there, she loves to cook. She's a really good cook. And she found out that there's some cooking class in Ireland. It's like 15 weeks or whatever. It costs $12,000. And I'm like, well, if you get a job, make a thousand bucks a week in 12 weeks, you can pay for it. And then you pay for your travel and have some spending money. I said, go to Ireland. You know, now she's 16. She's got plenty of time. She's not in a hurry. Uh, if that's what you want to do, go do it, but don't do it with slavery attached. You know, um, that's what I did. You know, uh, I always signed up cause I wanted the instant gratification. Mm -hmm. I wanted to drive the new pickup truck today. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's not the best way to get the pickup truck, honey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was this kid, uh, at the shop the other day, bless his heart. He was so proud of his tinted windows on his $40,000 Chevrolet pickup truck that he can't afford. Man, I'm going to get my, we're going to go to five, we're going to go to double 5% tent, which is totally illegal in the state of West Virginia. And the cops mm -hmm. are going to be on you, you know, in a minute. But he just was so proud of his illegal tinted windows. And he's asking me, man, can you tint the windows on a big truck? And I'm like, you can, but you can't see out the damn thing. Right. You know, I bought a truck one time that had tinted windows. I'm trying to back into a dock. I can't see shit, you know? So I'm ripping the tint off the windows in the middle of the night, trying to get to where I can see in the dock because practicality wins over mm -hmm. comfort and convenience. Sure. Just because you like it doesn't mean it's good. You're you gonna, know? Your likes are going to change in time anyway, so... You know, why make a decision off of something that you feel right now when that's going to change? I don't even remember 
two of the feelings that I had yesterday. But uh, Matthew Monsies, I hope I'm saying your name right, um, was talking about negotiations and um, more negotiating than speech. Halfway through, never split the difference. So a little background about me. And if you follow me on TikTok, um, you'll know and remember that about uh, two weeks ago, my dad passed away. Um, and I talked to, about him a little bit, but he was a negotiator for, he was a mediator and contract negotiator for the teachers union in New Jersey. Um, so he um, would go and negotiate. He'd be the, the, the middleman for the teachers with the, the board of education and the school districts and everything. And there were a couple of the cases that he actually worked on um, that went to the New, the New Jersey Supreme Court. But he was probably the most fair man I've ever met in my life. Um, probably the most stoic and simple. And he said that it's not a true compromise unless everybody is unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's outstanding. Yeah. But he always uh, said as well that if at the end of the negotiation, the most vulnerable and um, the least of the parties walks away um, unsatisfied or unhappy or still in a worse position, then it was a raw deal. It was a raw deal because that's the difference between equality and equity is not saying that everybody has an opportunity to get to that finish line, but everybody has an opportunity to have the same fair start at the starting line mm -hmm. and not everybody starts from the same place. So that's what he instilled in me. And that's why I can look at drivers and carriers and owner operators kind of like the most vulnerable or who's getting the, the rawest deal out of this. And if you're walking away unhappy about it, then you really didn't get a good deal. You know what I mean? If somebody mm -hmm. else is walking around like, you know, making it rain and you're wondering how you're going to feed your kid, then it's not a good deal. But the way that he also taught me to negotiate is something that I carry with me every day. I don't throw my number out first. And part of that is because it's up to you to name the cost of, of your equipment. It's up to you to, right. it's up to you to know what it is that you're charging. But in addition to that, whoever speaks first is the loser because you're nervous and you're just itching to get it. You know, you're eager. And once you get your yes, walk away. Don't negotiate against yourself. So in addition to that, it's kind of reading people, knowing what their needs are, listening first before you come up with ideas. You know, don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. Your solutions for this shipper's problems and their needs, you know, while they may be great, could just not be what they're looking for. And you need to be okay with that. And you need to know when to walk away and take the, take the feelings and emotionality out of it. But mm -hmm. there are, I've learned four types of people in the world. There's the natural born leaders. There's the, the bleeding heart, you know, big, all sorts of love and feels. There's the social butterflies out there. And then there's like the over analytical overthinking, you know, introverted people. And if you can kind of pinpoint that, then you know exactly how to approach them, which is a little manipulative, but that's sales. You yeah. know? So that's my story. 
Well, let, let me take a break real quick. I've got, I've had Carl's GoFundMe QR code mm-hmm. um, on the screen. Carl is a, uh, the greatest living mechanic I've ever known. Uh, the, 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 the joke, if, if you've never heard is, uh, Hey, what you going to do about this? Because Carl would get under one of our trucks mm-hmm. and go, Hey, what you going to do about this? And it was a problem. I didn't even know that I had, but it was a, what Carl would do would be, he would find a problem that would show up 90 days from now. You know, the, most mechanics are look at what you're dealing with today, but Carl, um, had this gift where he could look under a truck and go, well, that's going to be a problem six months, you know, two months from now. So let's fix it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carl, uh, what I do with it? Uh, Carl is doing better. Um, his wife posted yesterday. He was able to walk 40 feet today. Um, he, they've, they've got his ventilator settings turned down. Um, so he is improving. They're trying to get the doctors to do some sort of lung surgery that will help him breathe because he needs a double lung transplant. And so they're not ready to do that uh, because of his condition. But uh, he is getting marginally better. They're hoping that they can do this surgery that will help him breathe. But obviously, he hasn't been able to work in a long time. And Nikki Mm -hmm. has to continue working because she'll lose her health care if she quits. Right. so, you know, they, they need your help. They need your thoughts. They need your prayers. Carl is doing better. Uh, but he's got a, gosh, an incredibly long way to go. I'm five beers in. That's a really hard conversation to have. Yeah. Uh, but listen, he is the toughest son bitch I've ever met. He worked in my driveway one night. I swear to God, it was 18 hours. Um, but I called him and I had a problem with a truck. It was January, I want to say January of 19 or January of 20. It was 10 degrees. I'm on the road. You know, I'm out doing my thing. And my wife called me and she was like, should I go check on Carl? And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, he's been up there all day. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. And he's still up there beating and banging and welding and hammering. And she's like, he's never, he's never come to use the bathroom. He's never wanted something to eat. He just, he just showed up. I have watched this guy work 36 hours straight. I've never seen anybody uh, like him. It's just. So anyway, uh, you know, this, because you see a GoFundMe Mm -hmm. for people and you're like. Donate to Carl. Do they really need the help? Let me promise you. They really need the help. Mm. I'm way too drunk to keep doing this. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Help Carl Uh, out. Help the babies out. He looks like like a youngin. He's in his 30s. It's a genetic issue. It's, you know, like, because he smoked cigarettes and everybody's like, oh, what's smoking? No, the doctor said even if he hadn't smoked, he would still be in the same position because it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of genetic genetic thing. I, I guess kind of like autoimmune yeah. that attacks the lungs. Um, we've got a thousand and one Carl stories. Uh, sure. Cause he's just, he's hilarious. Uh, but God, what a, what a machine, just an absolute work ethic that you can't keep up with. And I tried one time, we had a truck that had a rusted 
differential housing and it was, you know, it was about to cause us a big problem. And he was like, well, man, all you got to do is go up there and get, get one. We'll swap it out. We in a truck stop parking lot. It was about 20 hours um, from the, and we had two or three drivers helping. I've got video of it somewhere. I, tr cause I had this big plan. I was going to put it on YouTube, but it turns out I suck at videography. We worked 20 hours on swapping this differential in this parking lot. And it was 97 degrees outside. It was, it was, it was fucking miserable, you know? Uh, but man, he just kept plugging. And finally, like three o'clock in the morning, we finally got this thing finished and I could barely drive home, you know? Uh, but anyway, there's a, there's just a million and, and one things that we can say about Carl. So if you can help throw him up to $5 because they could mm -hmm. really use it anyway. Let's get this train back on the tracks. Is there any comments we need to hit? Uh, I got Matthew's name right, and he's, you know. He was very, very happy about he's that. He's very happy about that. And as somebody with a very weird name myself, I I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I well, listen, with the last name Polk, I was terrorized as a child. Well, um, I got to tell you, there's a county down here in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Famous sheriff. Famous yeah. sheriff. And uh there's there's a lot to be said about the people that come out of Polk County. I'm <laughs> just a little <laughs> Yeah. We have a driver from Florida. He's from Tampa. Mm. Um I, I said, Where were you from? He said Thronosasa. I said, What? Thronosasa. Yeah. And uh I'm like Just say know, Tampa, it, my guy. <laughs> what what's funny about Richie, and I've people have heard this before. When we hired Richie in 2020, he was 23 years old. And we hired a guy at the same time who grew up in Colombia, the country near Bogota. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so cool. we yeah. interviewed him. And um, as they were coming, at, they were converging on orientation. And we had this conversation where we're like, listen, we really like this guy, Christian from Colombia. But like, what if there's a language? I don't speak Spanish. Hell, I barely speak English. Mm -hmm. Like, what if there's a language barrier? Listen, we understood everything Christian said. Richie, it was like, what you say? <laughs> you know, uh, who is proposing to his fiance or girlfriend today? So, oh, congratulations! congratulations. It's not worth the tax credit. <clears throat> well, you know, we think she, <laughs> we hope she said yes. I haven't heard yet. So, um. How often do brokers get told no on customers? That's uh, a great question. Every day. Every day, all day. Um, it's just like when you put a resume out for every hundred and, uh, hundred and I think 15 is what it is. For every 115, you get one callback, you get one yes. However, all you really need is a good 10. You know, you're not looking for a hundred, you know, customers. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to provide the service that you do. Um, as a broker, if you were spreading yourself out that thin. Um, so all you need is like, you know, the few good ones. And it takes like a good 10 times of contacting them before they even remember your name and what company you work for, the name of your company. So it's an investment of time there. It's, it's sowing seeds and harvesting. So if what you are is a very task-oriented person where you feel your gratification by checking off a to-do list, 
then sales is not the job for you because that's going to be a lot of putting effort in and not seeing anything for a long time. And at some point you do have to cut your losses and there are steps to that too, because mm -hmm. there are going to be customers that just say, yeah, we'll give you a shot. And they just throw you out on some big, you know, quote chain email. And there's nothing, there's nothing that makes you stand out except for, you know, a bottom dollar price. And those are not the customers that you want. You don't want somebody who's just going for the cheapest because they're going to leave you for a nickel. You want yeah. somebody who's going to actually take the time and invest relationships with you, which is, I'm happy to say what I have now, you know, there, there are some customers that don't go with anybody else but me. And when they get called by other brokers wanting to get their business, they're like, no, we're happy. Those people get the no's that, you know, after I got the yes. And that's what I want. Mm -hmm. So you don't want, you know, people talk about brokers making super high margins. The real name of the game for a broker is volume, not percentage, not margin. Yeah. So find yourself a good five to 10 steady shippers and you won't need to worry about margin like that. You won't need to worry about, um, you know, where making numbers or anything like that. You will constantly be working and the volume adds it up. So, <clears throat> well, a lot of people, and I get the questions, Hey man, if we hit the bottom yet, if we hit the bottom yet, is this the bottom, the bottom, 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 bottom? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> There is a minimum cost to operating a truck. Mm -hmm. Fuel is what fuel is, right? Yeah. Um, if fuel is $4 a gallon and you get five miles per gallon, that's the cost, right? Mm -hmm. If you get, now you get seven, you get eight, it, it, it improves. But there's a minimum cost. And I think the market understands that, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I would have to believe that even if, I, if my job is shipping supervisor, if somebody says to me, man, I'll pull that load for a dollar a mile, I'm going, the, but fuel, fuel, fuel costs about 80, Yeah, you know, like 60 if you're doing really good. I can't believe that in the, in the grand scheme. Now, maybe there's some moron that think, man, I'm getting a great deal. In the moment, if somebody's offering to do in 2023, right. A dollar a mile. I've got to go. No, mm -hmm. I don't. I, I don't think that's a good call. Now you've, you've, you've mentioned before some of say, Hey man, I'm just trying to get home and I've yeah. done it. I've done sure. it. I'm trying to get a driver home. I will take anything right now. Just give me a load, pay for my fuel. Hell, I've done it to an extent. You know, I will mm -hmm. deadhead a truck if I have to, rather than take, you know, something. But I know what my cost is. That's the name of Florida's game, you know. But I want to know why, because it's easy for you to throw out two thousand dollars on a three thousand dollar lane when you don't have any intention of paying the person who's driving it, but you're, you're promising them that, you know, mm -hmm. or it's easy to throw that out. If uh, your authority is about to be revoked and you're just trying to make as much money as you, as you can, 
you know, and that's why it's up to us to vet these people. So I want to know why your rate is so low. Astronaut is mm-hmm. astoundingly and ridiculously low. And if it's not a good excuse, like you got to get home or whatever, then no, I don't know what your game is. And I don't trust, I don't trust you, but <laughs> yeah. Um, there was somebody that threw out a number and I want to know how you feel about it. Cause I did ask that question on my video what would be the top dollar that a shipper can pay versus what the what the standard rate should be for drivers? Because say, for example, everybody, say, for example, brokers are capped at 10% and then shippers, um, you know, say, hey, you guys promised that, you know, things were going to be a lot better when we capped the brokers, but it's still crap. So now we have to cap the drivers, but then the drivers are like, yeah, but we need this minimum. So we have to cap the shippers yeah, because everybody's involved in this. So I asked the question, what would be the most that a shipper can pay before they have to stop producing because they can't afford to stay in business versus what the minimum rate would be for a driver in order to stay afloat. And somebody answered 60% of fuel. Take the fuel charge take the, the cost of fuel and do 60% of that. And that would be the minimum. So I wanted to know how you felt about that. No matter what the fuel price is. So even if it's $4 a gallon, you do 60%. That's $2 and 40 cents yeah. a mile. But I mean, that is not what the crux of the question was. The question, real, the answer to it is it changes for everybody. So you can't say, it's going to be this much. And if you can't make it at this much, then guess you can't be a truck driver. Like who's going to dictate who, why, why, why would you allow that? Because that would price somebody out of their profession. You know, right. that was also the whole point of getting rid of non-competes because you can't tell somebody that they can't work in the industry that they want to, but you would be doing that by forcing a rate. Does that make sense? I, I think the problem is they, they want to, what I hear, let me try it this way. When people mm-hmm. come into our program, okay, and our program is an 18 month, get in our truck, we'll pay you on a W-2, none of this 1099 horseshit. Right. Um, and over 18 months, we will try to mold you into a person that thinks like a business person instead of a mm-hmm. truck driver. Okay. Sure. Everybody wants blanket answers, right? Well, because uh, like tolls, for example. All right, tolls is always a big topic. Well, do you want us to run toll roads or not? Well, I can't give you a blanket answer. Because what if we do the math using the BSE 9000? Mm-hmm. Well, you can drive 75 miles out of route, which would take you an extra 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's a lower cost than paying the tolls, especially in Pennsylvania. My God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. But what if you don't have time to do the extra 75 miles? What if we have to take the toll road in order to make on-time delivery? Because right. you can say, man, look at, I avoided the tolls and you missed the delivery appointment. And now you're sitting there for three Good days for waiting on them to reschedule it. Congratulations. Like- Right. Would you just consider that an accessorial, just like you would detention or right. lumber or something it's, like that? It's a separate. cost 
of doing business. Mm -hmm. Now you can avoid it, maybe, but you have to do the math every time. And so we've got a guy that's, I don't know, he's he's probably close, he's probably 12 <laughs> weeks into the program. And 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 he made some decisions that were not not good. And so we have a we have a group uh, group text we use in Signal Messenger. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he made this really, really bad trip planning decision that bit him in the ass really hard. And Larry said, well, did you do the math? And he says, what math? Which got a Larry Long special as a response. <laughs> did he break out his abacus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, Sorry, well, <laughs> you know, You're one of my one of my gifts as a fleet manager is is I can see what you're going to do. Like I can go okay, well, that's not going to work. You know, I can look and go, okay, well, you're here and you should be here and you're not here and you have to be there because I just do the math, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, I, it, all the emotion goes away when you get this guy out because this is the bullshit eliminator. Right. If you are 300 miles away and you've got three hours to get there, the, the calculator says that's not going to happen. So what are the consequences of that decision? Mm -hmm. And so I have to explain to people sometimes they're in a pickle right now. They're going, oh, oh my gosh, all of a sudden. And I'm like, yeah, well, today's Tuesday. You know that decision you made last Wednesday? Well, it's taken an now to come up and bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. And that's really difficult for them to accept. But that's my job, my literal job description. We had a guy one time, he said, uh, well, man, every, every time there's a problem, you figure out a way to make it my fault. I said, because it is your fault. My literal job is to show you how the decisions that you make as a driver can come and bite you in the ass as a business owner, right? That's my job. That's, that's literally what he pays me to do is to say, well, you made this decision and that decision, and now mm -hmm. your friend consequences have yeah. shown up. Let's and see how this worked out for you. And consequences, you know. Um, and, and, and so sometimes I have to tell people, hey, well, if you would have done this differently, then this outcome would have also been different. And the ones that succeed go, oh, wow, yeah, I can see how I made that decision in the moment. Mm -hmm. And usually based on emotion, you know, or I'm tired or, mm -hmm. you know, listen, y'all. I wasn't the week thinking I've had, three steps ahead, yeah, which is I'm, what you're supposed to be doing. I'm tired as hell right now. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had a, a week, um, but here I am, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the, when I'm back to when I made that TikTok. Mm-hmm. Of Larry saying the only reason that truck drivers hate brokers is because brokers are better at their job than truck drivers are at theirs. And everybody got their feelings hurt. I knew it was going to hurt your feelings when I made it. That's why I clipped it. Because mm -hmm. sometimes your feelings have to get hurt for you to go, oh, maybe I need to make a different set of decisions. Mm -hmm. I had to hurt your feelings on purpose. Right. I, you I have don't... to skew what the idea of kindness is because, yeah, it may hurt your feelings, but it will clear your vision. You know, it, you, it, he's doing a kindness. 
you, there might be a very fatal flaw in the way that you are working your business. And you can either look at it like he's just trying to be an a-hole and he's trying to make himself look really good and make you feel bad, which why would anybody really want to make you feel bad unless they're projecting? Or he's being kind and he wants you to succeed. And this is the way that you are going to succeed. This is what you have to do in order to do it. I'm confident that there are probably people that could do it better than I do because I have resting bitch face. (laughs) Um, And so I probably don't always deliver it in the best way that I I could Mm -hmm. if I was if I was nicer and sweeter. Um, (laughs) Evan, this is one of our (laughs) our new drivers. When I have my boot up your ass, I understand I do it with love. I found um, the I found the tumor. Yeah. <laughs> I found the stick that you had up your ass with my foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Know? You know, <laughs> um, it's it, it's it's tough. And 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 back to scale. Um, I've only got ten trucks. You know, um, I've got two. Was it two unseated? So, out of all the millions of truck drivers on the planet right now. I only need two of them Mm -hmm. and I need two of them to understand that if they'll come to us, we'll unplug their brain, rewire it and plug it back in and make them customer focused and have them give them a servant's attitude. And we'll get them to think about, you know, maintenance and, and, and all the things, the rest of y'all, I can't do anything with you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's, there's two or 3 million of you. Now, one thing I found interesting and, and I have always said, and I, I got this number from somebody that Swift and Schneider and JB Hunt and Covenant and all of these big carriers were 15% of the industry. Now, mm-hmm. what the truck Freight Waves podcast guy had mm-hmm. some dude on there that was whining about emissions of all things. That yeah. They're the poor thing. Bless his heart. Well, we're seven or eight percent of the industry, and we've got to we've got to put up with all these emissions, and y'all don't. I'm like, mother, y'all could, right. y'all could say no, but you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, plus you're the ones that pay the lobbyists. But anyway, well, ninety three percent of these trucks don't have to be compliant. Uh, yeah, that's me. You know, mm-hmm. um, but. When you look around you in this industry, you get distracted by branding. Mm-hmm. You look at Schneider and JB Hunt and US Express and Knight Swift and, and and you see their branding, but they're tiny. They are mm-hmm. their revenue is so small from their their actual assets yeah what they're making money off of is being the 4pl and being the management company for larger logistic um driven companies and larger manufacturers what's that and leasing trucks to drivers and leasing trucks let's not leave that revenue stream out let's not but (laughs) if you want to take a look at where the most money comes from it's probably their their 4pl their brokerage because they are managing they're taking those leases on 
mostly to accommodate those larger companies that are handing all of their freight over to them and say, do something with it. We could not afford the manpower that it would take to manage all of this. We'll just pay you a percentage of whatever. And that's what I, they, that's what they I do. I would rather have the freight that require like the oversized stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Listen, y'all can shit on Landstar all you want. And, and there's a percentage of it. They deserve it. Okay. So give it to them. We have the freight guards to prove it. <laughs> but, but and it's a big, but okay. Uh-huh. They got freight y'all wouldn't dream of. They got freight that y'all will never access because of your shitty attitude. Okay. The, the high, wide and heavy stuff that mm-hmm. Phil who's in this comment section right now that Phil does the AA and E stuff. There are agents at Landstar that will never take your phone call. I tried mm-hmm. calling one of them one day because I had this team. <laughs> I had this husband and wife team. So I called a friend who I know does this really, really, really super exclusive high dollar freight. And I said, mm-hmm. hey, man, can you give me a can you give me a contact? She's like, well, you can try to call this guy. But listen, understand he's not very friendly. And she was absolutely correct. This mm-hmm. dude, I managed to keep this dude on the phone for about six minutes. And at the end of the call, doing my best sales pitch ever, he goes, all right, give me your phone number and maybe I'll call you. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Right? Okay. There's stuff there that if you will specialize you, if you will make you better, if you will make you more valuable, if you will make you more skillful, if you have something to sell, there are, and it's not just Landstar, hell, Mercer's got it, and I'm sure everybody's got their super high dollar stuff that you can do if you'll make yourself valuable enough. And that's where I have the problem with these advocates like the North American Driver Resource, whatever, and the Truckers Movement for Justice. What are they offering to make you better? What are they right. offering to make you more valuable in the marketplace other than saying, well, we're going to go beg on our knees before Congress and we're going to get the FMCSA to fix your problems. How? Show me the last time the FMCSA solved any problem ever. So the thing is, is that the F- so the rule is just that. It's just a rule. 371.3, it's a rule. A lot of people, including somebody who has recently been in my comment section, failed to listen to Schoolhouse Rock mm-hmm. <laughs> and hear how a bill becomes a law but couldn't pass an eighth grade civics test yeah i mean a rule is not a law it's not been ratified it's not been codified it's not been passed by congress and it has not been signed by the president so right now it's just a rule and there are contracts in place that are subject to tort if they are broken so fmcsa can say whatever they want about transparency, but the language that they used in that rule really creates way too many loopholes and is just not uh, concise enough to be the panacea that everybody else is is talking about. And all these drivers with like all this arrogance and hubris come into (laughs) my comment section saying you just you wait when you have to show your bank i will never have to show my bank statements how dare you never never so never to make it very clear 
The parties of a transaction are the ones, the direct line. So my shipper pays me. That's one transaction. And we are parties. The me and the carrier, that's another transaction. Mm -hmm. Two transactions. And yes, both deserve transparency, but only regarding those transactions. Mm -hmm. That's the rule. And mm. even if there was any kind of leeway for a driver or a carrier or owner operator to see that transaction, if we have a non-disclosure agreement in place, you will not. And we will disclose that on a rate confirmation. There is a non-disclosure agreement in place. We will not be able to disclose X, Y, and Z. And we are well within our legal rights to do that. Contract law, folks goes way, way, way back further before there was even a United States of America. Okay. Before there was an FMCSA. <laughs> you can't, you listen, you know, there was somebody that, uh, that was mad about, uh, something that I had said in the comment section when I said, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit what the law says. I really, I really don't. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, what, well, you uh, you think uh, something, 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 and I said, I'm, I'm fine with abolishing every three-letter agency. Get rid of them all. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter to me because I don't, I, I don't worship at the idol of the state like it's some magical Not supernatural just that. being. It's, say somebody is going around lying about you or accusing you of something. And you know you didn't do it. So you're just like, mm -hmm. okay, say it. Say, say it, but prove it. That's how I feel about transparency. Because that is geared towards what they claim are the dishonest brokers. And we've already talked about where that 65% number comes from. But they're claiming that, you know, there's a, a crap ton of dishonest brokers. Cool. That did, doesn't apply to me. Did we <laughs> talk? Not. Did we talk about that 65% before the show started? If not, we might need to hit that one more time. Okay, so when you are a freight agent not owning your own brokerage, mm -hmm. you will be under a 3PL, and much like what you go through with Landstar, mm -hmm. you get 65% of the load. Mm -hmm. The 35% that's remaining goes towards operating costs and insurance and things like that for you. So you're basically paying them 35% of your profit. And the same thing applies to a freight agent that's working underneath a 3PL or a broker under a 3PL. So say I'm a broker under a 3PL and I make $200 off of a load. I'm immediately going to have to um, take or forego forfeit 35% because they vet my customers. They vet my carriers they provide the insurance. I'm working under their MC number. I'm working underneath their bond. Mm -hmm. So it's worth it because I don't have to deal with that all myself. I don't have to deal with factoring. I don't have to deal with getting my own bond. I don't have to deal with getting my own authority. I don't have to deal with the rejections from factoring companies because my authority hasn't been active for a certain amount of time. Things like that. So yep. that's the standard these days is 65%. That might be where that number is coming from 
when people say brokers are getting 65%. Yeah, when we probably should be getting 100. <laughs> that's, the, right. that's, that's the work that we made that we did. That's the margin that we made. So that being said, there are a lot of three PLs that are like, well, everybody is offering their freight agents 65%. We're going to offer 70. And then we're going to give them bonuses on top of that if they meet certain profit, you know, requirements or quotas. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when carriers see that happening, they're going to be like, they're making 75% off of it. No, we're not. We're making 75% off the margin, which is mm -hmm. usually 10 to 18%. And um, if you're doing LTL through regional carriers like YRC, um, Central Transport, FedEx, Southeastern Freight Lines, things like that, then usually you're charging a higher margin because those are only a few hundred dollar shipments. So that's going to change what your average is if you're looking at it from like 15% up to 25, 30. And that's why it, it looks worse when really it's just messing with your averages. So this is a comment from Phil Freeze, who is a, uh, a Landstar BCO, a mm -hmm. heavy haul guy also helps us. He's our kind of our dispatcher mentor for people that want to learn how to do platform freight properly. Mm -hmm. The most successful BCOs at Landstar are all experienced, proven, customer-minded individuals who sets themselves above the competition and can, can uh, continue to perform on a higher level. Appreciate that. Um, Sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to be. Um, listen, Phil has taught me so much. Because uh, I've what we have signal messenger groups that we set mm -hmm. up for each driver, and it has all the management team in it, so mm -hmm. everybody knows what's going on all the time. Well, Phil has a platform division uh, or platform group, and so every time one of those guys secures a load, they have to take pictures of their securement and send it to Phil for Phil to take it apart and say, "Nope, do this, and you need to put one here and put one there, and here's why." I mean, hell, I could go strap a load right now just from watching this, this training and mentoring go on. But, you know, when I realized some point in my career, in my 25 years, that if I'll just make myself set apart, make myself better, I can, I can earn a greater rate Mm -hmm. because I deserve it, not for simply existing. Oh, well, here's my wallet. I've got a CDL. You owe me three seventy five a mile. Well, no. Are you worth three seventy five a mile? Are you right. worth two fifteen? Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and don't tell me it's because you're on time. Don't tell me it's because you have reliable equipment. Those are that's the bare minimum. Yeah, that's what we expect from you in the job. Period. Don't come at me if you are not going to be able to be on time. Don't come at me if you're not going to have equipment that doesn't have holes in it and a leaky roof. That's <laughs> what you are expected to have. And so, I mean, I do, you go out, do, you, do you go out on dates and then brag because you paid for dinner? No, like you're <laughs> supposed to. <laughs> I got a commendation one time that I, I, would, I literally, swear to God, I wasn't even expecting because I didn't... 
I didn't realize that I was doing something out of the ordinary. I was at Anderson Trucking Service. I was leasing a truck from them in a pad wrap division where you mm -hmm. carry blankets and bars and all that stuff. And it's all white glove stuff. And I'm delivering at a mall, right? And we've got all these fixtures for Justice Tween or whatever the store, American Eagle. And they had like 10 trucks show up. Well, another, another truck for the same carrier, ATS, shows up. Well, I'm, I'm being selfish in this moment. And that's why the commendation surprised me. I needed to get my truck unloaded, but there was another guy in front of me. So I jumped up in his trailer and I helped the crew unload his trailer. Mm -hmm. And then there was another truck and I helped the crew unload his trailer. So I was being selfish. Mm -hmm. I wanted my truck to get unloaded faster. So I jumped in their trailers. But you look like a team player. Right. That was not my intention. My intention was not, hey, look at me. Well, I'm a team. I'm like, I want to get you some bitches out of the way so I can right. get unloaded. Mm -hmm. So I help unload two or three other trucks. They get mine, I unload it. Well, then I get this email. Hey man, we're 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 giving you this citizen, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but I was being a jackass, kind of. Like I was, that was not my intention. My intention was self-centered. I wanted my truck unloaded faster. So I jumped in and helped theirs. Well, there was a guy that sat in his truck the whole time and didn't do jack shit. Mm -hmm. And that guy got a reprimand because he was paid like $400 in that rate to unload the, or to assist. And he didn't do shit. Well, they took his $400 away from him and gave it to me. But that's not why I did it. Right. You know, it, it was it, what I, in my mind, when I looked at that, and this was 10 years ago, but I looked at that and I went, but what I did was really selfish. Uh, my motivation was, I mean, it looked as though, oh, look at me. I'm going to jump in and help unload all these other trucks. Well, that wasn't what I was doing. No. But it taught me the lesson. <laughs> it taught me the lesson that if I'll be customer focused, Mm -hmm. Guess what? I get bigger rewards if I'll put, because ultimately what I was doing was helping them, you know, yeah, it was selfish, was but trying I to mean, help myself. So Evan is asking the question, what kind of things can you do to separate yourself from the pack, which is a little bit of what you're touching on here. So, and I asked that question when I said, Hey, when everybody has these blanket rates, what's going to make you stand out? And like, for example, I went, I have a degree in biology. I wanted to be a veterinarian. So in order to go to vet school, you needed to have certain GPA, you needed to have certain grades, you had to have letters of recommendation, and you had to have uh, volunteer internship hours. Um, so if everybody has all these things, if everybody has all the great grades, if everybody has all the great test scores and everything and all the letters, then what's going to make you stand out to a college acceptance board? That's what I was facing. So same thing applies to you. What's the thing that's going to make you go above and beyond? And that is completely subjective to the kind of customer that you want. Because there was one customer where the only reason why he gave me a chance is because the first time I called, I listened to how he dropped out of high school. And now he's so proud because his son is graduating and he's going to be able to retire in five years. And boy, isn't his wife happy about it. And that has nothing to do with freight. Right. <laughs> nothing. But he got to talk about himself. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to build relationships? 
Are you willing to be communicative? Are you willing to listen to the needs, not like Chris here, with like an intention of getting an in <laughs> or selfish reasons, but actually building up a relationship so that you know what their needs are and you can anticipate them before they even come up. Like, hey, I know you're moving glass and you're probably gonna need an air ride. So, you know, things like that. Know your customer, know what they're afraid is, know what their lanes are and anticipate that three steps ahead the way that you have to when you're making business decisions anyway. So. Mm -hmm. Phil adds, uh, communication is key, but go above and beyond that. Mm -hmm. Develop a personal relationship with the agents you enjoy working with or brokers. Mm -hmm. Solve problems instead of creating them. Oh, hell Ooh. yes. Preach. Amen. It takes hard work and dedication. I mean, the number of times, listen, this, this is so stupid, but I'm going to say it out loud. I went and created an email address for every account, or I mean, every truck. It's LS, Landstar, mm -hmm. the truck number at dot com. Sure. The number of agents that have said, oh, thank God you have an easy email. Like. That's all it is. Yeah. Kind of did, kind of did that for me. But now when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, somebody has called up and they've got 17 consonants in their email address. You know, you know, I love biker babes at gmail.com. Like that, that's not helping someone mm -hmm. again. I did it for me, but it helps them because it's simple. You know, it's LS, the truck number at whatever.com, you know? Um, and, and the number of times I remember a couple of years ago, this agent called me and she was like, I'm in a pickle. I need a truck. And I didn't have anybody within 300 miles. And I deadheaded a truck 350 miles to pick up her load. That was absolutely not worth mm -hmm. the miles that we had in it. It wasn't. But now she says these words to me. Hey, I wanted to call you before I posted this. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite words in the English language. Sure. When you say you're going to call me first before mm -hmm. I post it. Well, I've earned that. Yeah. I there, absolutely there are some that. there are some loads that I have for my contract that I don't even I don't even have to talk to the driver. I just know I send it and they're going to have a truck available to me. You know what I mean? And it's because I treat them well, I pay them well, and they've earned that because they do a good job. They check in. I don't have to call a driver. My customer is not worried. Worried. I just send it, and they're like, "Thank you." Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the easiest job that I have is the one where I don't even have to lift a phone call. I just build it and send it and that's it done yeah. automated the next best thing to automated. So, and the best thing that I can hear is, you know, I know that you're, you're not the cheapest, but I wanted to make sure it's done right. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's really just what's important to your customer. If, if price is the, if price is the, the factor, then you're going to have to appeal to them, but I promise you, they're going to leave you. That's not going to be a relationship customer, but if your equipment is fitting for them or, you know, I have one customer who ships to, um, prisons 
and their drivers can't wear jeans and they have to have an ID and, you know, they have to go through like all of these things, you know, they know that I'm going to provide them with a carrier that fits all of those needs that has nothing to do with price. And he's willing to pay for that. So you just have to listen to what your customers listen without listen to hear, listen to understand, not listen to just act like you're listening and they feel good about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause the, the last thing that they want to do is repeat themselves. I can't remember if we've mentioned Pittsburgh power tonight. Um, we did not. Have, that have, that could have something to do with the copious amounts of alcohol that I've consumed since before the show started. Uh, but Pittsburgh power has OPS. been our sponsor for, for a year, Pittsburgh power OPS. And listen, Pittsburgh power, the sponsorship relationship, uh, has, is mutually beneficial, but we've talked about them for years because, we have a we have a Mercedes engine with 1.8 million miles mm -hmm. on it, and that's because it's had an OPS on it. You know, uh, we we believe in Pittsburgh Power because relationship. You know, we've been with them a very long time, so please let them know um, that uh, that you heard about them on the on the Blue Ribbon podcast, so that they'll renew their sponsorship. And listen, Max Mileage, we took a truck in. I'm, I'm going to do a video about this later. We took a truck in that we normally wouldn't take, a 2016 Cascadia. It's got all the ugh, yuck emissions. Uh, but we took it because we like the young man that owns it. Um, and it's paid for, right? So it doesn't have a bunch of risk attached to it. I went. Mm -hmm. That was part of this big excursion that I went on last week. It was sitting in Indiana. Larry and I went up to pick it up. Um, and God almighty, the shocks are original. We're, we're pretty convinced that the shocks are original and the truck has 780,000 miles on it. Um, and after the condition of the air dryer, I'm pretty sure that's original too. So this truck has been horribly neglected, but we're going to give it some tender love and care and we're going to mm -hmm. take care of it. Um, and so, but it's going to have to run the, the Pittsburgh power catalyst. It, it's, it's like a non-negotiable thing this truck is going to have to run the catalyst because we cannot trust that the emissions control system is going to do what it needs to do without some help. And that help is going to come from the Pittsburgh power catalyst. Um, we 100% believe in that product. A couple of weeks ago, we had Dr. Jane, the chemist behind. So if you're a nerd like me and you want to learn all about the chemistry, go back and listen to that episode. And she does a great job explaining that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the, again, this is the market showing up, um, emissions controls were forced upon us. Um, they're not helping us. And so the market has provided a response and that's the K Pittsburgh power catalyst. I promise you, if you run the catalyst in your truck, you will immediately notice a difference in your emissions engine, um, in how many regions it does. Um, your def usage should go way down the, and this is all the, the, what we've been reported, uh, has happened. Uh, and, and we've seen it. We, we did a diesel force cleaning on a 2016 Cascadia. And when that thing came to us, it was nothing but yellow lights. The thing wouldn't travel 10 miles without shutting down for a region. We did a cleaning on it. We started running the catalyst and for like a year and a half, didn't have any problems. So. Pittsburgh Power is our friend, and we're glad to have them as a part of the show. 
Uh, let's see. Do we have any more comment? Oh, well, there's Lee Byer. What's Lee have to say? Phil could vouch for the fact that in the heavy haul world, it's not uncommon to put a guy on a plane to make last minute team run happen. Yeah. They don't listen. They don't mess around in that, um, uh, in that heavy haul world. Uh, Matthew, uh, a broker I use more than others had a short combo about books yesterday. An hour I called back. When I found I was going to have to wait 14 hours, she told me, give me five minutes, boom, detention pay. That, that's a relationship. Well, that's that's doing what's right. If you're sitting there waiting, again, it's not about intention. It's about behavior. So if you've been sitting there waiting, then you're owed detention regardless of if it's the shipper's fault or the broker's fault, it doesn't matter. Now, if it's your own fault because you missed an appointment and now you have mm-hmm. to wait to be at work in, then don't even, don't even come knocking because yeah. you know, you know, you're wrong and you're nasty. <laughs> but <laughs> if it's the other way, if it's, if it's any of the other two situations, there shouldn't even need to be a five minute phone call or five minutes between that phone call. It should just yeah. be like, Hey, I'm here. I made it on time. 14 hours are telling me I got to wait. Okay. I'll pay you detention or a layover or both. You know, that's just the right thing to do. So, um, tell her that it shouldn't take five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like at Landstar, because especially when you're dealing with a brokered load, we tell our guys, and this is why we're so, we're so, uh, adamant and anal about sending the email. If when you arrive on the property, you will send an email that says, I have arrived at the shipper. I have arrived at the shipper. Six words. Okay. I love getting the email. Where's the truck? And I'm like, there, (laughs) look out your window. Because I know. Read your emails. And then when you leave, I have, I have departed the shipper. Loaded and rolling. Now I have not only an electronic digital trail through email, mm-hmm. I can back that up with a GPS tracker. Now, and then if you'll add to when you sign your paperwork, arrived eight o'clock, left, departed noon. Well, now I have something I can go to the customer with and say, look, man, we arrived at eight and we didn't leave till four. We mm-hmm. were there eight hours and, and here's, here's where we arrived, and here's the GPS data to back it up, and here's when we left. But when they won't, well, I'm not doing all that. Okay, well, you're not getting detention. Did that thing just mute me? Did Have it? I, yeah, I think so. It, it just said you've had enough. Yeah, well, you know. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay there's, here. Listen, there's brokers. <laughs> they, they've they've infiltrated my computer. That's right, Lane Axis. Are you still here? <laughs> uh, oh, this now this is great from Phil. Contrary to popular belief, technology has not killed the good old boy system. That's one hundred percent. That's true. fair. Mm-hmm. That's one hundred percent true. Sure. Because if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, sure. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. Well, let me, let me put this one up here. Um, I have a 2016 Cascadia. It, the catalyst, 100% will help. I have just over 1 million miles, and I love Pittsburgh power. So I had to get that one in there for the sponsor. Definitely. 
Well, we have gone two hours and 18 minutes and I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, this has been fun. I can't mm -hmm. wait to clip this up and take clips of it and put it on. And piss people off. And piss people off. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I am five beers deep and my eyeballs are floating. Mm -hmm. And there's a room next door that I need to visit in a really, really, really bad way. So I appreciate you coming on to fill, uh, fill in for Larry. It's been, been it's been great. a pleasure. Thanks your, for your, me. your TikTok content is second to none. <laughs> so keep it up. Um, and, uh, and I will get to work on clipping this one up and see how many people we can offend and upset because, you know, listen, that's why we're here. Banana uh, peel. <laughs> the banana peels. Yes. Uh, Y'all are stuck uh, on the banana peel. I really do run the gamut of all produce. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and some proteins. But uh, yeah, you guys really like the banana peel. That was really, I was looking for something and I saw it. I'm like, bananas, you're a banana peel. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, if you're curious about what we do, all the information is on the website at blueribbonlogistics.com. Go read about the masterclass. Mm -hmm. It's an 18-month program. It's full immersion. We're going to bring you in, put you in a truck, let you experience what it's like to be out here so that you can learn how to make the right decisions. We do have a couple of trucks available. Go to drive four, drive the number four blueribbon.com. Um, fill out the form. We'd love to talk to you. Um, but you have to have the attitude service. You have to be coachable because we're going to have to tell you that you're probably doing it wrong. And we're going to have to show you the right way to do it because there is a right way to do it. And that's manage risk, manage expenses, increase revenue, know what you're doing, know what your cost is. Because if someday you want to be that independent that calls Anique someday, and wants to do a load for her, you better know what your numbers are. You better mm -hmm. know how to run your business because she's got a finely tuned bullshit detector. Very, oh very my God. finely. Just suspend your disbelief and yeah. maybe, maybe consider that you are not right about everything because you're not. You, you could be wrong. <laughs> you could be wrong. I'm wrong uh, a lot. All right, y'all. I'm going to shut it down. Small world, Anique on TikTok. Go follow her. Check out Pittsburgh Power. Thanks all go the to, love, guys. Go donate to Carl's Fund Me. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then probably go to bed. <laughs> See y'all next Have week. Good night. See ya. <laughs>